many as one in six couples will face struggles with conceiving a child. Infertility is classed as a disease by the World Health Organization, yet sadly there is often a stigma and taboo that surrounds it, and it's something we don't talk about. However, I talked to Chloe Fossey about infertility, IVF treatment and the cost of living pressures placed on couples undergoing treatment. Chloe founded the charity Tiny Seeds over a year ago, but raising awareness around IVF is something she has felt passionately about since going through her own difficult journey. Now the charity not only provides emotional support and a space for people to talk about their struggles and seek advice, but it has begun to offer financial support to those who need to travel off the island for treatment. Following a recent survey which exposed that people were selling their houses to afford to have children, Chloe has called for a change to the funding system and a change to how we value people trying to sprout those tiny seeds. Infertility is obviously a problem that a lot of people deal with. Why don't you give us a sense of the extent of infertility in Jersey how many couples deal with this yeah sure so the figures are actually one in six now one in six people will face a struggle with their fertility of some kind and the latest statistics that we have for Jersey are that on average about 420 people go through the island's assisted reproduction unit every year so that's a lot it's a it's a lot of people and it's only actually sadly becoming more prevalent rather than less so Mm. And it's something we don't talk about very often, I think, out in the open. Why is that? No, I think historically there's been a bit of stigma and taboo around it. You know, it's, people find it embarrassing maybe to talk about. And I think that's probably because of those stigmas that society has created. And I think, you know, we are getting better at talking about it, but it is still, it is still difficult. And also when you're going through it, it's it's kind of all-consuming and it's a very emotional subject to talk about so if you are worried about how people are going to react when you bring it up that may stop you from doing so as well but thanks to the conversations that we're having and people are starting to have it is getting easier to talk about and that's also why we kind of created tiny seeds to provide that safe space for people who who do want to come along and have those conversations yeah, exactly. So you're the founder of Tiny Seeds, which is a um, charity based here in Jersey. Why don't you explain a little bit about why you founded it? Was it from a personal experience? And also what you thought the charity could do? Was there limited support that you had? Yeah, so it was. It was based on my personal experience. So when I first had my son, so he's actually now 11, and um, it took us about a year to conceive him. So I was just starting to worry at that point been to the doctor and asked for the tests and things and then and then we did luckily fall pregnant but then when we tried again and wanted to give him a sibling it it just didn't happen so again went to the doctor was referred on for tests they could at first they couldn't really find anything um and that's really hard as well when you get a diagnosis of unexplained because you just want an answer at that point and you want people to be able to tell you why it's not happening and yes it was just it was it was a really long journey basically to cut a very long story short, six years, five cycles of IVF, 
uh, a lot of other tests and treatments and an eight-year age gap between my two children and we we finally did have our daughter in 2019 but yeah when I was going through it I just felt I didn't know where to go for support and have those conversations and like I was saying before sometimes when you bring it up just with people who maybe haven't gone through it or don't necessarily understand the response isn't necessarily one that is one that is helpful to you when you're when you're in that place so yeah I wanted to set up something that could offer that safe space for people I found a lot of support online during that time I would go on internet forums I always thought it would be nice if the local community would be able to come together and connect again it was something I felt I wanted to do whilst going through it but I didn't have the strength, basically. I, I it was putting all my energy into that treatment. And even though I could see that there were ways that things could be done here to help, I didn't just didn't have the energy to do it. And um, during COVID, that was when the need became even more intense because fertility clinics shut down. People didn't know when they were able to go for treatment and that support was really needed. So that was when I just thought, right, well, now I think now's the time to do it and set up an online, online Facebook group, which... It kind of snowballed from there, really. It went from online to, well, obviously during COVID, it was then sort of Zoom Zoom support meetings, which then progressed to face-to-face meetings. And then again, it was quite quickly became clear that we needed to become a charity. So we're a year now. We're a charity for a year. So, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> and so what kind of support does Tiny Seeds provide? Is it financial, practical, emotional, all of the above? So we've started out obviously with the emotional side of support with the um the face-to-face meetings and our online support group which is really nice place for people to join actually if anyone's listening and is needing support you can find us on facebook it's a private group you can ask questions anonymously in the group um it's a really supportive bunch and you know you do get a lot of helpful answers to your questions in there we've also now started a podcast channel as well our own one called tiny seeds talking um so the first series was offering sort of the emotional side of support talking about personal experiences and then the second series which we've just released recently is that more practical side of things so we've spoken to doctors from fertility clinics we've spoken to the doctors here spoken to a nutritionist to try and get that kind of you know the practical support that people need as well and we've also offered in-person meetings with doctors question and answer sessions etc as well because there's a bit of a barrier in jersey too because you can only have ivf and a fertility clinic in the uk or elsewhere so you feel like there's a bit of a barrier between you and the clinic so if we can bring that practical support here and that information here then then Hopefully that can only help people as well. And then with regard to financial support, we are really pleased that we have just very recently started a fund to offer people support with their travel. So at the moment we can offer £400 travel bursaries to people travelling off the island for IVF. Yeah, which is fantastic because the financial implications of going through fertility treatment are huge. I think you saw the results of the cost of living and IVF survey that we put out fairly recently as well, um, which just demonstrates how much of a challenge it is on top of the emotional and practical and physical struggle that you're going through anyway. 
Exactly. And I was going to ask about this survey. So you've recently carried it out to to show and to raise awareness about the impact that the cost of living crisis does have on those trying to conceive. And I think it's such an incredibly expensive endeavour that not everyone can afford. And it's even more difficult now. In the survey, it showed that the average amount that respondents spent on IVF was £15,000. And that excludes travel and accommodation yeah. costs. So could you just give us a bit of an overview of the struggles that people are facing when it comes to costs and the various testimonies you've heard, you know, what people sacrificing, what yeah. are the stories that you're hearing? Yeah, so I think we we wanted to do the survey because we've been hearing, you know, anecdotally people coming to our support meetings, you know, telling us about the struggle. You know, I went through the struggle myself. I know how expensive it is. But we wanted to be able to quantify that and actually kind of put it down on paper and see, you know, exactly the impact it's having and on and across how how much of the people that are going through it. And actually it was quite clear that really even people on high incomes are struggling because it is, isn't it? It's It's a large amount of money over a relatively short amount of time. When you look at, obviously, at the moment, the cost of living, which is impacting everybody at the moment as well, when you add that on top, um, there's people responding to the survey that are, you know, spending their deposits that they've saved up for a house, saying as well that having done so, they think it's probably unlikely that they'll ever take a step onto the property ladder now. Um, There was one person that had actually sold her mortgage property in order to pay for the treatment. There's people that have delayed their weddings. It's yeah, it's a big struggle, and obviously that fifteen thousand as well. I think I haven't got the exact percentage off the top of my head, but it was something like seventy or seventy-five percent of people said that they're still going to need more IVF in the future. You know, whether or not that is because they're still trying to pursue that one baby, or whether or not it's to continue to grow their families. And you know, that's another thing to point out as well with the survey is people are sort of saying that they don't know if they can afford to go on to have more than one child as well because they've you know spent so much on on treatment that they don't know if they can then grow their families any bigger and is, is this a problem which is specific to jersey because the cost of living here is particularly bad i think at the moment with housing <laughs> and and it's well known that there are people leaving jersey because they can't afford to live here anymore yeah. i think is, is this something just in jersey or is well, it seeing a lot of places i mean i mean Obviously, the UK do not have an ideal system either, but there is funding within the NHS and within Jersey that there could definitely be improvements to funding that is available for for IVF here at the moment. And as far as we're aware, Jersey is the only place offering means-tested funding for IVF. Um, and I almost don't even want to bring this up anymore because... As far as we know, nobody has qualified for that. We've never heard of anybody qualifying for that funding. So the funding that we're aware of that is available and that people do receive is for their medication for up to three cycles of IVF. And that equates to about £1,000 to £1,500 worth of medication a cycle. But then you do see on that survey, people are then spending on average of about £2,000 on their travel. So really, you're sort of putting those people back on a level par with somebody that's paying privately elsewhere we also we actually released our own podcast discussing the results of the survey and um, we spoke to a lady who runs fertility europe which is uh, an umbrella body for all the fertility charities around europe and it was really interesting and insightful to talk to her about what other european countries offer you know there are some now that offer actually unlimited cycles of ivf up to the birth of two children because the impact on the economy as well and the um, population. So our published fertility rate in Jersey is currently 1.3 and I think it needs to be well over two to um, maintain a population, basically. And I think this is where, you know, other countries have potentially recognised that, that 
in order to maintain their population, they need to be offering that support to fertility patients in order to, you know, hopefully increase their birth rate. Mm, yeah, I see where you're coming from because it's definitely an investment in the future and yeah. we do have an ageing population here. What funding change up do you want to see? What do you think? That so we'd like to see it become clinically based um, rather than means tested because infertility is a disease. At the end of the day, it's a medical condition that's defined as a disease by the World Health Organization and it shouldn't be means tested as to whether or not you mm. can receive so funding. So what, what would clinically based look like? So the NICE guidance, which is the National Institute for Healthcare and Excellence, they recommend for three fully funded cycles of IVF up to the age of 40 and for one fully funded cycle up to the age of 42. Mm-hmm. So that's that's their guidance basically. And again that's something that we would like you know we would hope would be nice to see come in here for people and do you have hopes that the government are going to listen that you think that this is something you might see soon or or do you think there's a lot more work to be done to convince them i mean we have had positive conversations and i I do i am hopeful that change is going to come it it needs to come i think it was actually in the jp about three years ago now that they said that they were going to come into line with the scottish funding system which is that three three fully funded cycles so yeah, change is definitely needed and, and we would hope to see some come in at the earliest opportunity. Mm. And what's the response to the survey been like? Have you heard from more people in the island who are struggling with this? Have you heard from you know, various members of government maybe who weren't aware? Yeah, I think people have been really interested to, re- to read the responses. Like I say, it's, it's not anything that we didn't know already, but just seeing it on paper and seeing how unanimous really the responses like it was just clear across the board that everybody is struggling with this so yeah I think people are surprised to see just to the extent how much people struggle and just how much it costs and how much people have spent because I think when you can say one cycle of IVF costs you know in the region to start about four thousand pounds that's obviously that's without travel that's without extras that you might need and that's without taking into account that the average person requires at least three cycles to bring home a baby and again when you say three cycles that's actually three full cycles which is slightly complicated to explain but that means going through a fresh cycle of um, ovarian stimulation creating as many embryos as you can from that cycle and then having any frozen transfers that may have resulted from that fresh cycle before moving on to cycle number two. So again, even three cycles, that might not sound a huge amount, but actually if you are putting in frozen cycles in between as well, again, it very quickly adds up. And that's why we're seeing those figures of, you know, 15,000 as an average with people still requiring more treatment. Mm. Does that make sense? I know it's a bit complicated, but yeah. yeah. I think as well, because it's something that is quite a complicated topic and maybe for people to access the funding and understand it, it can be quite difficult. Yeah, I think so. It's one of those things that when you you don't know a lot about it until you you actually experience it and go through it and then you have to very quickly become your own expert in it as well because everybody's path is so different and everybody's experience or, you know, potential medical problems within that experience are different too so yeah it's really difficult when you do you have to become your own expert you have to advocate for yourself and like I say when you've got the emotional toll that it takes on top of that it's, it's a lot to go through mm, I suppose that's what tiny seeds is for now yeah yeah exactly
thank you to Chloe Fossey and find out more about Tiny Seeds at tinyseeds.je or listen to their podcast series. Thanks for listening to the Bailiwick podcast. Keep up with all the latest news by visiting bailiwickexpress.com or reading our sister publication, The JEP. More next week from me, Kelly Frost and the rest of the team. Mm -hmm.